You're listening to Portage on CFRC 101.9. Redneck grease stain on my blue collar. Friday and I'm down to my last dollar. Still got eight hours, but I'm ready for the weekend. Lunch break halfway and I'm still moving. Miss call voicemail, baby, what you doing? Call me back cause your man's got a plan for the weekend. Well, I just got in and I'm on my way to the back of the bank line. Got my stub in the dash, a pocket full of cash, picking up my sunshine. She hops on in, sugar in a grin, sweet as she can be. And we're on our way, it's all okay, cause I just got paid. And I just got You're listening to CFRC 101.9, and welcome to the seventh episode of Portage, A Journey Through Canada. I'm your host, Ian McCarter, and as you may have guessed from that country song at the beginning, the Emerson Drive song, the province that we will be talking about today is Alberta. So today we've actually got a crew with us here at CFRC to discuss, you know, what else about Alberta but the energy industry. Um, so today I'm going to be speaking with Brad Leonard. Uh, he worked at PCL Construction in Edmonton. We've got uh, Danilo uh, Prieto, um, who worked at Shell Global Solutions. And we've got Valerie uh, Kitchell here with us. The, she's the president of the Queen's MBA Energy and Sustainability Club and has a ton of experience in the renewable energy sector. So welcome, everyone. We've got a party here from Alberta. Thank you. Thank you. Excited to be here. Yeah. So, so maybe, um, uh, Danilo, maybe we, we can start with you. Um, so you worked at, at Shell Global Solutions. Yep. I'm wondering if you can explain to people sort of what, what your role is in the energy industry. Uh, when you were in Calgary, were you were Edmonton? I was in Calgary and I was also uh, down at Houston. Nice, nice. So d- did you want to explain sort of your role at, at, at Shell and sort of what, what sort of Shell does? Sure. Uh, so as you know, Shell is, uh, I think now, uh, recently, is now the largest uh, energy company in the world, oil and gas company in the world. Uh, I used to work as a project engineer uh, for Shell. Uh, my role was to basically develop and execute uh, projects that Shell decided to invest in, mostly in the natural gas or liquefied natural gas department. Because I feel that a lot of people, they, they, you know, go down the street and they see a Shell gas yes. station uh, at the side, but, but you know, it's it's way bigger it's than... way bigger than, than that. Yeah. Than just that. So, yeah, we mostly sell a lot of our... Uh, major, um, a majority of our, how do you say, our majority of Shell's uh, funding comes from uh, B2B, so okay. selling to uh, direct consumer, direct uh, businesses or raw uh, feedstock, as, uh, such as refineries and everything. Okay, so so um, would would you say that Shell deals a lot more with extraction then, or not at all? <laughs> it's a it's a it's a complete uh, how do you say Shell's a complete uh, value total value chain company. So they do extraction, um, sort of the upstream side of things, where yeah. they do exploration, extraction, all the way down to transportation, refinery, which is sort of the down uh, downstream side of things. So they have they have the whole value chain of the oil and gas business even selling to gasoline on our on those uh store uh, gas stores you've seen so. gotcha gotcha all right so brad you you worked at uh pcl construction 
uh, and this was in, in Edmonton. Uh, let the, the viewers know that Brad is wearing his Connor McDavid <laughs> jersey right now to support uh, the Edmonton <coughs> Oilers. Um, but did you want to maybe tell, talk a little bit about what what um, what PCL does? Sure. So PCL is actually Canada's largest construction company. Um, we also have a pretty big presence down in the States. And in a lot of the, the major Canadian cities, you'll actually see PCL building hospitals or office towers or condo towers, and you'll see the, the green and yellow logo. Yeah. Um, but I actually worked in the oil and gas side based out of Edmonton. Um, so what we would do as a construction project management company is that we'd actually work with companies like Danilo, so Shell. So Shell would want to uh, construct or build uh, an oil extraction facility or a new refinery, um, whether it was in Edmonton or, or it was up in the oil sands. Um, and with our expertise in, in constructing and managing the, the project, we would actually step in and work with Shell or, or Conoco or Suncor to actually build these projects in the oil sands or um, down in, in, in Texas or in Refinery Row in Edmonton. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, really interesting. And and we've got Valerie here with us as well. Um, so so you are part. You are the the president of the Queen's MBA Energy and Sustainability Club. But what's really interesting is is your your huge background in sustainable energy. I'm wondering mm. if you can talk about that a little bit. Sure, absolutely. I mean, my my path started on the energy policy side. Um, worked for an industry association supporting wind, solar, biogas, even com combined heat and power. Um, and in terms of on the project side, so similar to Brad, we, we built projects uh, focused on commercial development of wind power projects. So those giant turbines that you might see as you're going down the 401, is that like an example of a, a project that you could have worked on? It's a perfect example. Interesting, interesting. So so you kind of see here how, how it kind of fits, the, the three of you kind of you know, fit together in the overall life cycle of, of oil and gas, I guess. So, so my question to, and, and maybe Danilo will start with you is, is how you even thought about getting into the oil and gas of all the industries yes. to be in, why did you pick oil and gas? I've actually been very curious about the energy uh, sector. I've always liked I mean, growing up in the Philippines there, um, we had rolling blackouts when I was growing up. So I was very curious where energy came from. And when I took mechanical engineering degree at Dalhousie, sort of, uh, uh, I started looking into oil companies here in Canada, and my first uh, entrance into the oil and gas market was with Syncrude up in the northern Alberta in the oil sands. And ever since then, I just got interested seeing the whole value chain of how massive and scale this thing can be and how influential energy is to our, our daily lives. Awesome. That's great. And and you, Brad, what, uh, I mean, uh, the, the Berta boy over there, I, I guess oil and gas is, is surrounding. Yeah, it, it runs in my blood, I guess. Um, yeah, so growing up in Edmonton or in Alberta, uh, you're surrounded by the environments of, of oil and gas. And it's always on the news. And you know, lots of people growing up um, that were engineers and, and worked in oil and gas in, in some sort of capacity. Um, and so it just seemed that it was a natural fit that uh, going into university, engineering was a good career, good paying career, lots of jobs, at least at the time. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and so it was just a, a natural fit that I, uh, I would go into it. And the U of A where I graduated from was a, a pretty well-known school in terms of engineering and had a lot of direct access and contact to uh, the oil sands. So yeah, it was just a natural fit for me being in that environment. Right. Absolutely. And you, Valerie, uh, into uh, energy and sustainability, what, what was your path? Why, why did you uh, start there? Yeah, actually, um, I started on the health side. Okay. I started in health sciences, um, but a lot of my research was around uh, the biopsychosocial determinants of health in First Nations communities. Whoa, that's, yeah. that's a mouthful. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> big words. Um, 
as you may know, I mean, we have a lot of, of off-grid communities, a lot of dependence yeah. on less sustainable resources, and it has a huge impact on health in these communities. Um, that's what originally got me into energy policy. Interesting. And and is your is your focus a lot more on on those uh, rural communities and how to, like developing sustainable communities or or is it more like say I, I think of Toronto you know they're uh, you know looking to move to a, a green mm-hmm. uh, green policies in Toronto it, is it a balance of both or the it was where my interest originally started but then I think I just got so much more enthusiastic about it so really it covers the full range the full moment. gamut nice nice so so maybe now we'll we'll talk a little bit about um, specifically in Alberta and sort of that, and Brad, you kind of touched on a little bit, the, the importance of the, the energy sector and, and maybe instead of us saying oil and gas, we should be saying energy yeah. sector, um, in Alberta. Um, I'm wondering if, if, if we can maybe have a, a conversation around the importance that, that, that is for Alberta, but also for, for Canada. Um, in in sort of how we're positioned in the world, maybe Brad, if you wanted to start with 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 that. Sure. So I guess yeah, we'll talk more broadly about energy in Alberta, um, and then I can speak a little bit more to oil and gas. So when people do think of Alberta, they think oil and gas, um, but I know that there is you know quite a large wind uh, f- farm project and and a lot of wind projects going on down in southern Alberta, mm-hmm. um, and so that's where you know you, you kind of do have a little bit of diversity. There is a coal industry, there is is a natural resource industry in terms of mining as well. So there is kind of the broader energy. Um, resource in Alberta, but oil and gas is definitely the big one. So the importance there is, I mean, obviously if, you know, if you're listening to this radio show and driving in your car or something like that, or you brushed your teeth this morning, oil plays a part in all of that. Um, Whether it's petrochemicals that, you know, are used to make toothpaste or it's, you know, the fuel in your car. Um, So it does have quite a bit of importance on um, how we we operate our daily lives. And so I think, you know, the oil sands does get a bad rap sometimes, um, but everybody uses it, everybody needs it. Um, and, and one of the things that a lot of people don't necessarily think about is the amount of jobs that it actually produces and, and Canada-wide. I think um, there's about 3,400 companies Canada-wide, so outside of Alberta, that have some sort of integration or supply the oil sands. I think in 2017, there was 228,000 people from outside of Alberta that had some sort of job related to the oil sand. So oil itself is important, but the the side effects or, or the, the multiplier effect from oil sands is, it is quite large in Canada's daily life. Yeah, yeah interesting. Danilo, anything to comment on on that, sort of the importance and, and maybe, you know, you working for a company such as Shell, yep. a global company, um, sort of how Canada fits in the in the global perspective of you know outside are we perceived as as only oil producers or or is there is there more what's our sort of competitive advantage if you will you're right i mean oil producers do see canada in a very positive light or energy producers for that matter it's because as you know a lot of um 
a lot of companies are are risk adverse, right? And mm-hmm. a lot of unfortunately, a lot of where oil resides right now, such as are in countries that have a lot of strife or unstable governments. So a lot of these companies see uh, the Alberta or the oil sands as a very safe environment, or safe place to to or a safe, secure place to draw their energy from. Yeah. So that's how how you say a big contribution or a big plus on the mm-hmm. Canadian side. Yeah. It's it's almost sometimes you you look at other countries and it's like you you're you're rich with these natural resources and it's kind of like a blessing and a curse yes. almost at the same time, exactly. right? So so Valerie, maybe maybe if you wanted to expand sort of from the um, from the sustainable side of things, um, where Canada sort of plays in that space, are we are we you know leading the charge? Are we not leading the charge? Where where do you think we are in in that sense? Sure. I mean, maybe we can talk a bit about the potential that Canada has. Um, if you look, talk about sustainability, maybe we can separate that energy into electricity. Yeah. Right. So if you look at the increasing electrification um, that you're seeing uh, in terms of um, how to deliver that power, um, Canada is, I believe, the, the sixth largest consumer of electricity in the world, which makes it a very promising uh, market for investing in sustainable like electricity generation. Right. Um, so in that sense, it's very promising. In terms of penetration, I w- I we're, were you generally behind behind Europe in a lot of ways okay. from a policy perspective um, and from a technological perspective. Um, I'd say, you know, we're, we're up there. We're not first. <laughs> we're not we're first. Up we're up there. Okay, good good to know. So so on that note, uh, we'll, we'll take our first musical break here. Uh, we're going to listen to a band um, uh, from Edmonton, actually. They're called the Velveteens. Um, so we're going to listen to Monica Louise on CFRC. <laughs>
back here on CFRC. Uh, that was the Velveteens, Monica Louise. Uh, that's a great little indie band coming out of, of Edmonton. Uh, great, great sound for sure. So I'm back here with uh, Brad, Danilo, and Valerie. And uh, we're, we're talking about the energy sector in Alberta. So uh, again, we can't, we can't necessarily talk about the energy sector, which uh, Brad, you had, you had talked about a little earlier of the, the reputation or perception, if you will, of that, that um, dirty oil, if you will, that, that, that uh, you know, people talk about. <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering if you can talk about, you know, where that perception comes from and, and is it even warranted? Yeah, so for sure. I mean, I think on the news sometimes there's a little bit of incorrect or, or misinformation in terms of the labels that are thrown around and, and how it's perceived. So I guess it's a little bit historical. So you go back to the tar sands. Well, what is the tar sands? Well, that's a little bit of a misnomer. Um, the type of oil that comes from the oil sand is it's it's not a liquid necessarily. It's more of like a, a semi-solid form of oil, and it's mixed in with a lot of dirt and and sand and gravel. And so oil sands is probably more of the correct term. So the actual type of oil is called bitumen. But back in the early 1900s, so 1920, 1930-ish, when the oil sands really started to to expand, um, the oil that was was extracted from the ground was actually heated up in a in a coal fire um, and was used to produce roads so tar and that's where the tar sands ah, somewhat gets mixed in there okay. um so tar was actually just a byproduct of what you created now today because tar is not really used for roads and and coal fired power plants aren't really used anymore um what they do is they heat it up with with natural gas which is more environmentally friendly than than coal mm -hmm. and it's actually used to produce asphalt which is obviously a little bit different than tar so tar sands is is a misnomer of a name mm -hmm. um and so that's a little bit of of history on how you go back to it so the oil itself is dirty but it's just because of the type of of oil and the type of formations that are in the oil sands which is sand gravel dirt as compared to um, some of the some of the typical oil, which is drilled and it comes out in, in a liquid form. So, so really, the the dirty portion of it is is just the actual physical appearance of the oil that comes out. It's, it, yeah, exactly. Okay. It's just it's physically dirty, yeah. but it, that that's where it ends. <laughs> that's where uh, where that ends. Yeah, Danilo, what what do you think on on that front? The the sort of perception of of you know, the tar sands and, and the negativity around that, is, is that warranted? Uh, I wouldn't say it's warranted. However, it's also because of how the media portrays it. I mean, when you go to, say, um, an oil field, traditional <coughs> oil field where there's drill, all you see are the derricks or just a field, an open field, really. But when you're doing an oil sands operation, it is quite, it's both a mining operation and an oil extraction operation. So when you see it from the top, from an aerial view, you'll see this big open pit, and it's all black, and so you people get this negative connotation right away. I mean, mm -hmm. some people have con, you know equated to say, "Oh, it's the Mordor of, uh, of Canada," <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So, unfortunately, I wouldn't say it's completely warranted. Yeah, okay. because there are some uh, preconceived notions and some media spin to it. And and I mean, cer certainly with with the advancement of technology, they they they've come up with different ways of extraction and making it more uh, energy uh, friendly or environmentally friendly. Um, Valerie, I'm, I'm wondering if, if you have any thoughts around, you know, is would certainly there's there's tons of different areas where energy extraction is 
a lot cleaner. Um, would you consider the oil sands as dirty? I think Danilo hit on a lot of where that perception comes from pretty accurately. I mean, the way you extract it, it's quite different. So then you can't say that it doesn't have a more meaningful physical environmental impact. Um, so if you would consider that dirty, then I suppose that aspect <laughs> of it is dirty. Um, but does it make it, I mean, really all that different in terms of the impact it has because of how we use it than other oil? Um, I think that, you know, Brad, you're absolutely correct. There is a certain overblown perception there. Yeah, and, and, and certainly in, in that space, there's, there's lots of, uh, you know, people talking about moving to, you know, what about, you know, wind power, solar power, and things like that. Um, in terms of a, a pure dollar amount for, say, energy from wind versus extraction in the oil sands, can we can we get some idea of, you know, a cost difference in between the two and 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 whether one is more economical than the other? Sure. I mean, I can actually speak to that more from the electricity side okay. than the energy side. I know that at least here in, in Ontario, where most of my project has been developed, I know that in 2017, uh, wind was the cheapest new source of generation uh, of anything that came online. Wind power. Yeah. Yeah. But I think we're coming from it from a different perspective. That's electricity <coughs> versus energy. Right, right. Okay, fair enough. And and say say for uh, another refinery to open in Albert, these we're talking billions and billions of dollars. Right? Yeah, so I I was working on one at, at one of my last roles at PCL and it was opening up just outside of Edmonton and I think um, you know, the total cost and it's I'm not sure if it's a hundred percent complete now or if they're just at the tail end of it, but it's upwards of about $12 billion. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's yeah. Uh, not pocket change. That's yeah. Sure. <laughs> so, so maybe we, we can talk as well uh, around um, another form. So, so the, we, it's ex extracted out of the, the ground mm -hmm. in Alberta. Um, and, and it sounds like some of the oil is refined in, in Alberta, but do you, do you guys have any idea of like, you know what percentage of that oil that's it, the crude that's crude I, I guess is the right term um, that is actually refined in Alberta versus shipped to our our neighbors in the south or off to China or anything like that is there in terms of an actual percentage um, you know what we, we produce in Alberta about 2.8 um, million barrels of oil today uh, or per day, sorry. Per day. Um, most of that is sent down to the states where they actually do the refining, and then ironically, it's shipped back to Canada and sold sold to Canada. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where the the pipeline arguments start to tie in. Um, but there was uh, the the one refinery just built in Edmonton, um, and I think that was the first refinery in Alberta for sure. I'm not sure about Canada um, in about thirty or so years. Um, so the argument back in Alberta is that we should be refining more of the product in-house, mm -hmm. um, not just because we have it, but again, because of jobs and because of cost, then sending it all down to the states. Um, so there is that opportunity and there is that argument, um, but pipelines is where kind of the next argument comes into play with that. Yeah, actually, uh, <clears throat> I guess one thing you were saying, extracting, we also, we have the oil sands, but in, in the sort of west of Edmonton, or the northwest of Edmonton, you'll have the Duvernay and the uh, Montney plays. These are tight shale that you're hearing now come into play, and basically you have a lot of oil there, but you also have gas, 
a lot of natural gas. And in terms of like world production, you know, US, uh, US and Russia being the top, but Canada's uh, 5% of the world global gas production. Unfortunately, we have no way to export this to the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. So that plays back into the pipeline um, debate. And in fact, 58% of our production is sold to the US. Yeah. So our single customer, <laughs> our, si- our single customer, and, uh, and uh, we we won't we definitely won't get into politics <laughs> yes, on, on on this show, but um, def- definitely interesting that that the majority of it is shipped down to the U.S. and then sold back to us. Yes, yes. is is that a similar story on the electricity front, Valerie? Like um, that that we I I think of like hydro mm-hmm. um, in in you know Quebec and 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 Labrador. Um, is 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 it a similar thing that that it's all being shipped down to the U.S. or or sort of what's the story around that? So we actually we share province to province okay. quite a bit. So like Ontario shares a lot uh, gets a lot of electricity from Quebec in terms of their hydro, right? And mm-hmm. Provinces are increasing their capacity uh, in their interties to share electricity, so they can be more efficient overall. Yeah. Um, a lot of it is also, I mean, just down south of New York State, those U.S. is the only other country we're physically attached to. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, and that, yeah, that is how electricity works. So, so a lot of our production would be yeah. would be sent down there, I guess, or creation. Um, I don't even know what the right word to call generation. it. Generation. Generation. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. But we also buy back. Okay. Right. Okay. So that comes into the complexities of electricity storage um, and. Uh, buying and selling. Interesting. Awesome. Well, that's that's definitely some some in, insightful things uh, from from our, our panelists here from <laughs> from uh, Alberta. So we're we're gonna take a a, a quick music break here uh, to to one of my favorite artists of all time. So, certainly, I I had no idea she was from Alberta, but we're gonna listen to some Joni Mitchell and her big hit uh, "Big Yellow Taxi" here on CFRC. A boutique and a swinging hot spot Don't it always seem to go That you don't know what you've got till it's gone It paid paradise, put up a parking lot They took all the trees, put them in a tree museum And they charged the people a dollar and a half just to see them seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone they paid paradise put up a parking lot hey farmer farmer put away the ddt now give me spots on my apples or leave me the birds and the bees please don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone they pay paradise, put up a parking lot Late last night, I heard the screen door slam And a big yellow taxi took away my old man Don't it always seem to go That you don't know what you've got till it's gone They pay paradise, 
Joni Mitchell here on CFRC. I uh, just wanted to say thank you to Danilo, Brad, and Valerie for joining me today here on Portage. I know we, we only scratched the surface of, of energy in Alberta, but thank, uh, thank you very much to the three of you for joining today. Yeah, thank you, and thanks, thanks, thanks for, for the opportunity. Yeah. And uh, I guess uh, we'll have to watch more of Connor McDavid uh, <laughs> as they, they lose again. This yeah, season. as we wow. always say in Edmonton, it's uh, next season, next season. Next so. season. Awesome. Well, again, thank you guys for joining me today, and uh, you'll hear us on Portage in two weeks. Thanks again. This show is produced in collaboration with CFRC at Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario, with infrastructure support from Queen's Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science. CFRC is located on traditional Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee territory. Find more great podcasts at podcasts.cfrc.ca.